to The Megan Walrod Show. I'm your host, and I am delighted to bring to you season two, Brave Women, Brave Living. You are in for some juicy, inspiring conversations. So dive in, enjoy, then afterwards, come on and continue the conversations in our private Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's go already. Hello and welcome to the Megan Walrod show. I am your host, Megan Walrod, and I am delighted and honored to bring to the show today a powerful and courageous woman named Jessamine Sarah Turgeson. And Jessamine is a trauma-aware body-based healing facilitator who uses her training in massage and somatic therapies to assist clients in their healing and recovery journeys. She is trained as a birth doula, as well as a death grief doula, which has informed her capacity to be with humans in spaces of high transition. She's a poet. She's a writer. She's a photographer. These skills play a significant role in how she shows up with and moves in the world. She's also a certified transformational life coach with a particular focus on the work of self-intimacy as a powerful tool of transformation and growth. She is also the mother of three children, and I am just delighted to introduce and welcome to the show, Jessamine. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm completely honored. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So good to actually now press record and have this conversation shared because we've had a couple of really beautiful, deep (laughs) conversations already that we've been like, wow, this could be the show. And I know. I also want to say congratulations. You have written this beautiful book, Whispers Upon Waking. And I am so excited. I've already pre-ordered it. And the link will be in the show notes, listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about Whispers Upon Waking? Absolutely. Oh, gosh. So it's been such a dream of mine to write a book, probably since I was just, you know, a little girl. And I would sit in my room. I had this little desk and I would write away and I was writing on everything, every page that I could get my hands on. So it's definitely been the craft of writing has been in me all along. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in adulthood, it's like so much came up for me in life that was unexpected. And my dreams of publishing a book kind of got placed on, on the side as I went through rupture and healing and um, just raising, raising three other humans. And so I think that this first book, this will be my first self-published book. And um, it just came from a lot of really my healing journey and a very specific, simple practice that, um, that I engage with in the mornings, which is just upon waking, <laughs> really acknowledging myself and placing a hand, you know, on my heart and anywhere like on my womb space and just really acknowledging like the human of me, the person of me amidst this new day and asking 
spirit for like, what is it that you want me to know today? And so this is sort of, it's, it's very much like my, like the poetry essentially that came from that communion from that communication between my own body, the new day and what I refer to as spirit or something sort of around beyond and within me all at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's called whispers upon waking because it essentially is that practice of tapping into something that is a little more subtle, a little more quiet, (laughs) a little Mm -hmm. more still than the rest of the world and the noise of the world. And um, it's that information and inspiration that has come to me through those, those moments. Mm-hmm. And as I move into a new day, so mm-hmm. that's my, my first book. And it's um, still in the very last stages of, you know, production and um, hoping to have it ready to enter people's worlds and hands and hearts um, late summer. So summer of this year. How exciting. Yes, totally exciting. And I love this, this practice and Mm -hmm. for you to then share this sacred practice and the words and the guidance and the wisdom that came to you in those moments to then share that with us feels like such a sacred gift. So I can, like I said, I look forward to receiving my copy and I could envision reading one each morning and allowing that to infuse and inform my meditation or however. So, so thank you. Just what a beautiful creation. Yeah. You know, I, and something that I, whatever it looks like for each of us to kind of tap in or connect with that deeper um, part of us or that, that part of us that holds clarity or, you know, wisdom. Um, of course, we're all going to hear different things. We're going to receive different things. Yeah. And this is also for me, it's, it's like, honestly, Megan, less about the end product. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's been more about the process of believing, like, well, whatever comes to me is, is valuable and it's worthy of sharing and it's worthy of acknowledging and, and expressing, you know? And so it's been a process for me of just honoring, honoring what comes to me in my form, in my human vessel and like letting it come through. And the process of writing it, the process of of um, getting to a space in my life where I was open to sharing and expressing has been the biggest and most powerful piece of all of this. And so I'm really kind of like, it's less about like what happens after it's out in the world, you know, and it's more about what has taken place in the process of creation. So yeah. Thank you for being open to receiving that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get that. And I get in my own ways that, your willingness to walk through the process of all of this one, listen to yourself. I mean, that is such a modeling of the self intimacy that is such a core part of your work, right? Like you're listening 
And you're honoring what's coming through so much so that you're writing it down, you're letting it guide you. And then you're believing that this guidance that you received is a gift, can be a gift for others too. So I get it. I get that journey of self-intimacy and honoring it so much, valuing it so much that you're willing to go to the lengths of getting it self-published because that's a journey in so many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Can you talk to us a bit more about self-intimacy? Like it's, it's such a beautiful term and one that often when we talk about intimacy, we're usually, usually viewing it as the intimacy in like romantic partnership or intimacy in loved relationships. So talk with us about self-intimacy. Yeah. That's very true. I think we tend to kind of designate that word toward um, the exchange that happens between two people or persons. And um, on my journey of healing and I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm a growth oriented human being and um, have always sought out sort of the path of transformation, I suppose, and evolution and growth. And as I've made my way, I've really begun to understand that the level that transformation actually takes place is in this deepened awareness and engagement with and relationship with self. You know, we talk about, so many people talk about transformation and about um, you know, self-help and, and taking their life to a different place or meeting goals and these things. But we often just talk about it being like sort of a outsourced experience. Like I can, um, if I meet these goals or if I have these accomplishments, then I will be there or I'll make it or whatever have you. And really what I have come to understand on my own journey and working with other people is that those in order for those goals to like for us to walk ourselves toward those goals or to guide ourselves into the evolution of transformation, whatever it may be in our own individual lives it's it's really about what's happening at the level of like how are we interacting with ourselves what are we um how are we speaking to ourselves how are we in relationship with ourselves how are we treating ourselves how are we showing up with compassion and understanding and yeah a level of intimacy right where there's honesty there's um vulnerability within our own within our own, like we're looking at things that are maybe hard to look at. And that's how I view self-intimacy is that when we get intimate with everything that's going on in this person within ourselves, then we can say, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to continue engaging in this way, or I don't, I notice that I'm not treating myself with kindness and compassion. I notice that. And who wants to be in a relationship like that? 
what does that, like, what does that cultivate in our lives, you know? And so it's at this level when we can really start looking at the deeper, um, the deeper relationship that's actually happening, whether we are conscious of it or not, when we can bring that to consciousness, we can alter things if they need altering or we can strengthen things if they need strengthening. We can give compassion where compassion is needed. We can give understanding and grace and love, you know, because I really think that once we once we accept ourselves, which comes with a lot of compassion and a lot of grace and a lot of love, then transformation is actually the energy of transformation mm. is actually easier to access mm. because we're not fighting against something. We're working with something. We're yeah. working with ourselves. Yeah. So that's what self-intimacy is to me. That's why it's such an important, um, I really think it's, it's the level that transformation actually happens mm -hmm. last. I should say lasting transformation. I should say like sustainable transformation mm -hmm. um, because when we come in relationship with ourselves and we really begin to care deeply about ourselves who we're working with, right? We want to do good for that being, for that person, for ourselves. We want to do right by it. Yeah. Yeah. The word that keeps popping as I'm hearing you describe this is so beautiful and powerful is developing that becoming your own best friend. Yeah. Like, Hey, would you talk to your best friend like that? No. So what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, talking smack about that woman you're seeing in the mirror. So it's like a, yeah, definitely. And for me, my, you know, my friendships and my best friendships are such intimate spaces mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we share so deeply and so vulnerably and so openly and um so I agree and and even in somatic work we we work a lot with like coming to learn your individual like nervous system so there's another layer to it as well of self-intimacy, which is really learning your nervous system, really learning your triggers, really learning how you're kind of, you're mapped in that way yeah. so that yeah. you can, you can also begin to come in as sort of a guardian mm. for yourself and your nervous system. So it's like, yeah, it's all these things that we can compare it to like a best friend or like a trustworthy guardian or, you know, someone that you totally. can depend on, someone you can count on. And, um, I think that, that any kind of healing work, um, is about coming into a more trusting relationship with ourselves, a yes. more intimate relationship with ourselves. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And I have so much personal resonance right, right now around this with building trust with ourselves. So, so appreciating we're talking about this. And also I know that you've spoken pretty openly about your journey with recovery and sobriety. And would you be willing to share with us a bit about your own journey and story? Cause I imagine that was one of building massive trust with yourself. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's always a little bit difficult to wrap up so much 
much of a journey into a short amount of time, but I, um, I went through a, um, divorce. And so I had three children. Um, I was fairly, fairly young, uh, um, when I got married and had babies. And by the time I was 30, I was walking through a divorce, um, that came with, um, betrayal trauma. And it was, my kids were really young. Um, my oldest was seven and my youngest had just turned one. And so little baby, you know, like little, little Mm -hmm. kids that I was, um, responsible for. And the impact of that was tremendous. Um, and looking back, I just, I had, I did not have the tools for, to, um, cope with what I was walking through. And a lot of times, you know, we think of situations like divorce or someone walking through, um, the pain of betrayal. And it's like the event itself is difficult, but for me, it was like the endurance piece of what came after (laughs) the event itself is actually the, um, the thing that was and has been the hardest, um, to navigate. So during that time, um, slowly and unconsciously, I developed an addiction to alcohol. Um, it wasn't a conscious, it wasn't something that I was aware was happening (laughs) because of, of course it's like a slow pace type of thing. Um, I often say in my recovery circles that alcohol saved my life until it started killing me. And so it was a coping mechanism. It was something that I was using to self-medicate, um, to help with the overwhelm, to help with the grief, to, you know, to help with the pain of what I was, of, of the consequences of, of that situation. And, um, there were several, several years where I was curious about it, you know, about my relationship with alcohol. Um, now I look back, I was sober curious for several years and then it became really apparent that it was, um, it was something that was causing further harm and further, um, trouble in my life really. So I reached a space within that journey of recognition. I mean, there's so many stories that go along with that, but basically it was like, Oh, this is addiction. This is literally Mm -hmm. like, this is a big deal. And this is um, something that I need to change. And so I would say that I was in active addiction for probably about six, six or seven years. And, um, and around 20, And after the pandemic, actually, which is, is an interesting piece to my story, because so many people started relying on, um, their coping mechanisms a lot more during the pandemic. Yeah. But I think that I was already in this space for so long that once the pandemic hit, 
it was almost for me, this experience of like, there were so many, it felt like the world was finally recognizing like things that I was walking through for a really long time, which is like, nothing is certain. And (laughs) there's, you know, like I was already in practice with this kind of lifestyle of really Mm -hmm. like one thing at a time. And I don't know, it was just an interesting, like for me, it was almost, it was then where I was just like, this part of my life, I had been collecting enough evidence that I was like, it needs to change. And um, and it did. I, I admitted for the first time to people that I trusted that I used the word addiction. And that was the first time I think that I had like really come to terms with it myself. Mm-hmm. And um, from that point on, I just finally reached a space where um, it was, I was done and I was ready. I knew where, I knew where this life of dealing with, or like dealing with life with this coping mechanism, I knew where it was going to lead me and it was nowhere good. Mm-hmm but I didn't know where a life of not using alcohol as a coping mechanism would take me. There Mm -hmm. was so much mystery to it, so much possibility to it. And I decided that I would take the risk to see what the possibility was. And so um, 8-8-2020 is my sobriety date, the lion's gate. And so I'm coming up actually tomorrow is my 1000 days sober. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, 999 days today and it's a journey, you know, and it feels so correct. It feels like it's this, it's, it's doing life on life's terms and really like having, having and continuously creating the capacity within myself to be with the trouble that life sometimes brings and not to, um, not to have this compulsive, like need to run away from it or Mm -hmm. flee from it. And it's really aligned with, you know, my, my soul as far as, I think what I'm here to learn and the, the evolution of my life, like I didn't ever, ever imagine that I would have developed an addiction on any kind of substance, but I did. And, and that is something that, um, I'm no longer, I don't experience shame around it. I, Mm. because I think that we have, we all have such an, um, interesting relationship with shame, you know, and part of my healing has been to, to really get curious about that relationship. And once I did that, and once I invited like curiosity and vulnerability with it, which is part of why I share so openly is because shame keeps us in those spaces of hiding and of isolation and of feeling alone and feeling like we're the only ones. 
And that is where things like addiction and loneliness and, you know, like despair can thrive because Mm -hmm. we think we're the only ones. We think that if anyone knew that we were going through this, it would be somehow like the death of us in some Mm -hmm. way or another. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's the death of a certain version that you believe yourself to be. But on the other side yeah. of that, there's so much more than, yeah. you know, there's liberation. Like what I fi- have found is that in sharing, sometimes it feels very <laughs> selfish because in sharing, I feel so much more free when I'm just really honest with yeah. my journey and who, where I've been. And it allows me that much more space to connect with and tap into who I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a little bit about my journey. I'm going, you know, I'm coming up on three years and is it all like roses and rainbows? No, (laughs) absolutely not. Um, But I'm, I'm still sober for a reason. You know, it, it has, I have, gained access to these spaces of healing that I would never have been able to access had I still been mm. using, um, using alcohol as a means of coping and dealing with the reality of life, you know, and, um, I like myself better this way. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I can, I feel like I can know more about who I am because I'm more available to being known. Yeah. That's a biggie. Yeah. (laughs) And thank you for sharing your journey with this and just your courage to have reached out to, you know, people that you trusted when you did almost three years ago and just share and be willing to acknowledge and claim. And mm. it also sounds like there was a willingness to reach out and ask for support. Yeah. Because like you, you recognized, okay, it's this path or that path and the courage to like face the path of like the mystery and the unknown and the possibility and yeah. just so I powerful. Did. I think I said in that expression, I said, I need help. I need help. Yeah. And acknowledging that. Thank you for, for acknowledging the courage. Cause I do understand it's not easy, you know, especially if we're thinking if we are in a place of, of, um, navigating a lot of shame or like, this is, I, it's a me problem. Like I, there's something wrong with me. There's something mm. broken in me. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, um, to ask for help because we think maybe somehow we should have it figured out on our own. Totally. Right. Yeah. Which is such a a trap to fall into, but such a very, very, very common one. Super common, super common. And it, I mean, that is really honestly what fuels so much of my, um, desire and, commitment to recovering out loud is that Mm. I don't, if, if there's any way, you know, that I can make someone else's journey through this type of thing easier, then I'll do it. And Mm. 
it's such a human experience. It's, it's, you know, someone, Laura McCowan, who she's an author and she's written all about her, um, addiction and recovery story. And she actually, like my sobriety support is through this group that she started during the pandemic. Um, her book is called we are the luckiest. And she, she has said before, like addiction is really not that special. (laughs) It really is something that so many people deal with in one way or another. Um, and I guess for me, if I can help talk openly about it so that somebody else is like, Oh, okay, here's this person, you know, who has claimed her story and who is, um, living in a way where it's, it's possible. It's possible to overcome those spaces And also like, it's hard, you know, and we don't talk about sometimes in our culture, we just, we don't talk about how hard things can be. We don't talk about, um, the struggle to get from here to there, from point A to point B. And we just really celebrate Mm. making it or getting to point B, you know, and like, there's so much there's so much that's left unspoken and so I do have a heart and passion for talking about the very human things like you do Megan you know like brave discussions that not you like you like to get to the heart of things yeah what is it there's a quote um that's like you never know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone Mm. And that's always what I like. Like, that's the place that I love to be where the spirit meets the bone. So. Wow. Will you say that again? Yeah. And I want to, I want to quote who it is exactly. Maybe we can, maybe we can add that to the, cause yes, I can't remember. Absolutely. I'll add it to the show mm-hmm. notes. Yeah. But you never know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. I'm moved by that quote. And touched by this context too of your recovery journey and recovering out loud and breaking the shame and the stigma around it. Cause what did, what did your, the say about addiction? It's not unique. Like it's not yeah, unique. It's really it's, not that special. It's, not, said, it's yeah. not that special. <laughs> like so many of us, so many of us have it in one way or another, yeah. right? Whether it's, whether uh-huh. it's drugs or alcohol or adrenaline or, or perfection, yes. perfectionism, you know, yeah. work or. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so, many. so many forms of it. Yes. Yes. And what's, what's something that helps you make it through those tougher days? Mm. I mean, 999 days, that's a, that's a lot of days it is to have navigated and it is. what's something that it's um, um and uh, gosh i there you know were so many points in my life where i was like there's no way i could ever make it to that number <laughs> um but that's the beauty of just dealing with the one day that's in front of you mm-hmm. sometimes the one moment that's in front of you 
And I guess, um, I mean, there's so many different things that help at different times, but for me, for me, somehow I got myself into a point where I could, what we call sometimes like play the tape forward. And so if I do have this like desire or urge to just kind of check out or, you know, tap out or numb out, escape, playing the tape forward, meaning if I were to drink or engage in whatever behavior it is compulsively, right? Let's pretend that I indulge in that. And then what? (laughs) And then what happens, Mm. right? So for me, I gather, I spent enough time gathering enough evidence that alcohol was not of service to me anymore. And so that was over a lot of time, right? So for me, it's like nothing good will come from that. And it's, you know, it's this practice of what I was sharing earlier, like kind of stepping in as a guardian to myself. Like there Mm -hmm. are in my healing facilitation, there's a lot of uh, identification of like, there's a lot of parts that go on within one person. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of parts that play. So really kind of learning how to trust and hand the decision-making or hand the reins to that, that more guardian part of me. That's like, where does this decision take us? further down the road. So, Mm -hmm. so we could say like thinking of future me more, Mm -hmm. right. If we kind of Mm -hmm. think of it in that way, like how does this one decision impact future me? And sometimes it's, it's just taking one decision at a time and really thinking of it that granularly, like it's really just this one decision. I can't go too far ahead of me. I can't go too far back. So presence, Mm -hmm. mindfulness, nature is like Mm. spending time in nature is a huge um resource for me that has given me so much that's helped me in my journey of really being having more capacity to deal with whatever big feelings I may be having Mm. in the moment right Mm -hmm. so much of our coping mechanism just comes from maybe our, our, um, lack of capacity to be with really big feelings. Totally. Cause yeah. we are feeling creatures and sometimes yeah. those feelings are so big. Yeah. And so when we don't have a nervous system that can, that can hold it, that's capacitated enough to hold or be with or let those feelings express themselves, then we just kind of want to ignore them. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, or numb out, check out, or tap out. out, like you said. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. if, if we, I remember feeling like at the beginning of my sobriety journey, feeling like if I let myself feel this pain, I will die. Like I will literally mm-hmm. like split open and die. Cause mm-hmm. it was that big of a feeling. Right. Mm hmm the beautiful work of, um, healing, the beautiful work of recovery, the beautiful work of sobriety is that we can only do it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. We can only Mm -hmm. do it one 
moment at a time, one feeling at a time. And we don't have to do it all at once, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can slow down. We don't yeah. have to access the, I guess, like the the hugeness of the, the pain or mm-hmm. anytime I'm working with clients where it's like a really big wound or a really big grief, you know, we, we get to go as slow as their slowest parts need to go yeah. and only access as much as, as that feels correct. Um, mm-hmm. So I think pacing has also been a big part of what helps me and that it is like, you know, what else helps me is like, sometimes just having little mantras, like everything is figure outable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I think we can also tap into these when big feelings come like this sense of urgency. And I've learned that urgency comes from a space of trauma usually like, yes. cause we're really, there's, there's no, there's no rush with these things. Like we can go, we can go slower and we don't, totally. everything's figure outable. So like, yeah. it might not be right now. It might not be in this moment, but more time will reveal more information, will reveal more possibility. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that so speaks to that trusting too and relaxing into the moment and urgency and that sense of lack of time. And like that can be an addiction too and a trauma sure. response and a coping strategy and mm. the big feelings in the moment. I remember when... I started to go to therapy back when I was in grad school to be a therapist and like, so grateful that one of the requirements was, well, if you want to train to be a therapist, guess what? You get to go through 30 hours of therapy. And I was like, all right, sign me up. And one of our first sessions, I was like, wanted to approach my healing and my transformation. I was just like, let's go in, let's go do it. And she was like, you can't approach it like a bulldozer. She was like titration. I was like, what does that mean? She's like, go home and look it up. Cause at that time there are no iPhones, you know, and smartphones. And so I went home and I looked it up in the dictionary. I was like, Oh, it's a medical term drop by drop by drop. The medicine is diluted into the IV drop by drop. And that's what I was reminded of as I'm hearing you. Like it's one moment, one decision, one moment at a time. Mm-hmm. And coupled with this fantastic capacity to also, I loved what you're talking about, like tape it forward. Like what would choosing this actually create for my future? What would choosing this create for my future? So it's like so present moment oriented and future oriented of like, is this choice going to create the future that I desire? And building trust Mm -hmm. and what? Yeah. Just learning that our future is made up of our, our present moment decisions. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's real. Yeah, completely. Yeah. (laughs) We're exactly. What can I choose today to create my future? I desire right away. And is that going to mean lifting up this bottle and taking a drink or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What will bring you closer to that? Yes. And I wanted to share too. I want to make sure we talk about 
you not only are walking the path of sobriety out loud in service of inspiring more people to be able to step out of that shame and step out of that aloneness into getting support. You also created the reclamation bar. Yeah. Tell us about this. This is so cool. I was reading your article. There's going to be an article listeners. There's going to be an article in the uh, show notes that you can hear all about, but let's hear it from you. Yes. Oh gosh. So last summer, actually, I, I had just gone through like some heartbreak, you know, from the reality of the dating scene these days. And I, I was, I took a trip with my kiddos to California and I was really just contemplating like what's next for me, that type of thing. And, um, during that contemplation, I was like, something came to me where I was like, I would love to just create a space, you know, where I could do like fun, mindful, conscious living, hold conscious living events, like gatherings where people are learning things and, um, people who are on these paths of healing and of consciousness and of mindfulness and looking for community to come and hang out. And I was like, and it would be like an alcohol-free space and, um, come to find out I, from that inspiration, I reached out to some people who I was connected with through my sobriety support circle. And, um, I knew one of the leaders there had a alcohol-free bar in Austin, Texas called Sons Bar. And, um, his name is Chris Marshall. And I reached out to him because I knew he had this thing going on. And I was like, what, what all is involved here? You know, well, it turned out he's like, yeah, we can talk for sure. And also you could just come and do the Sounds Bar Academy. Like he has an academy because it's really a movement that's happening. Um, Sobriety, sober curious, you know, people understanding even just at the level of like, not addiction, but the impact that alcohol is having on their lives. Um, or their health, you know, and people are understanding a little bit more about um, the reality and the science of alcohol and just how much it plays a role in our, in our um, culture that is really kind of questionable, especially when you start questioning your relationship with that one substance. Um, And so I, I ended up doing the Sounds Bar Academy with him and um, was inspired to start a pop-up bar here in Phoenix, Arizona um, with the vision and dream of eventually it leading to having a brick and mortar space. But until then I'm hosting like monthly events where it's all um, based around events that are again more conscious minded or involve you know even just like the next event that I'm going to have we're having a local musician sing her beautiful songs and we're going to do it at a local um salon slash gallery where my hair gal her husband like his art is on display and it's this beautiful studio and it's all kind of I love the vibe of just like like featuring local people and artists and practitioners, you know, yoga instructors, things like that, and combining it with this movement of um, 
having all of these events be alcohol free and Mm -hmm. showing that we can gather um, intentionally, we can gather consciously, we can gather and have fun, we can gather and, and like enjoy art together and we can do it in an alcohol free space um, while also enjoying like elevated cocktails. So um, mm. the NA movement or the zero proof movement, meaning there are so many companies that are coming up with these various like high quality ingredients, um, alcohol alternatives to create zero proof cocktails. So you're drinking this like sophisticated drink, but it doesn't have any alcohol. And so, yeah, the reclamation bar is all about that. It's a, it's a non-alcoholic pop-up bar here in Phoenix where we do, my focus is really just again, living proof that we can cultivate conscious community together. And, um, we can do that without the impact of alteration. Like we can show up exactly as we are and we can have fun while we're doing it and we can create authentic connection together. And that's what it's all about for me. So that's a little bit about the reclamation bar. I'm super excited about where it's going to go. It's still in the beginning stages, but things are rolling and it's, yeah, the passion of mine, it all comes together, you know? Totally. And it's obvious that it's a passion. It's palpable, your passion for it. And what a beautiful, brilliant expression of your own transformation. Because to be able to offer something like this to your community, like that speaks to your own strength of your journey. And I imagine it's also such a huge gift to you in that way of contribution, right? Like in the gifting you're receiving and just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful expression of you and your sobriety and your invitation for intimacy. So. Oh, thank you. That's how it feels is an expression. And I, again, like writing the book, you know, it's this similar journey of like, I'm growing just in the process of like, Oh, am I doing this thing? Yeah, I'm doing this thing. Okay. (laughs) There's so much about it that is just, it's, you know, it's such a growth journey for me and I imagine it will continue to be so. Yeah. So I love thinking of it as an expression of my own path and my own growth and my own healing. That's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I'm so inspired by our conversation. And before we go today, I'd love to ask you a question that I ask all my guests, which is who is a brave woman who's been inspiring you lately? Oh gosh, there's so many (laughs) (laughs) women in my life, which is a good thing to have, right? Totally. I would say I have one of my really dear friends, Her name is Morgan. She's walking through heartbreak right now. And I would say she is really inspiring me because of how she's doing it with such an open heart still. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she's walking through something, you know, those experiences where you're kind of like, this is my worst nightmare type of gig. I think we can all relate to that in some way or another. And and she's really practicing this, like stepping in as like this, this trustworthy guide. 
for herself. Mm. And I'm witnessing that and it's, it's really inspiring me and makes me so grateful for the way so many women that I know are showing up on this planet at this time with such fierce, like love and openness in the face of pain and confusion staying staying like close enough to themselves where they're they're like able to alchemize it into something that's like offering them momentum forward and I'm seeing that in her so it's really inspiring me that is so gorgeous and so inspiring and go Morgan and I love go Morgan and I love how you described that of staying close enough to yourself. And I had a mentor of mine say those words to me once after my, shortly after my mom died and I was, and she was just, and she was saying goodbye to me because I was moving to a different state and she was like, stay close to yourself. And like, I just, those words and that reminder and that invitation of to stay close to ourselves like that's the self-intimacy and that and the alchemize alchemize everything that we're going through like for that fuel that moves us forward like that's that's what it's all about the hokey pokey of self-intimacy right <laughs> that's what it's all about and it's and it's one little step at a time you know yes 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 So any, I said that was the last question, but just any, any last words of wisdom, anything you're feeling called to share for our listeners? You know, I just am feeling grateful that you've invited this conversation and grateful that we can talk about things that I believe are truly meaningful. I think it's a Mr. Rogers quote (laughs) that has always stuck with me, which is anything human is mentionable and anything mentionable is manageable. And I think of that all the time when it comes to, again, conversations that I think are really important to have. And I just, because if we, if we talk about the real stuff, you know, that's human, because if it weren't human, then we wouldn't be experiencing it. Then we can, we, we open up, I think, this like ability within each of us to understand we're not alone. We're not the only one. We're not broken. We're not beyond repair. You know, we're just human and we're going through a really human experience. And there are other humans who are going through similar experiences. And if, if we can remember our togetherness in that. I think it really serves us well. And so I'm grateful for you having the conversations that you're committed to having. And I'm really, really grateful that I got to be in one of those conversations with you. And um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this path because Mm. I think that it... I feel that I'm able to offer so much more to myself, to the people that are within my circle of influence, to the people that my life bump 
bumps up against, you know, because of um, the real struggles and the real hardship and the real grief that I've navigated. Um, Cause I've learned how to, I've learned how to be with it and I've learned how to um, find something within it that has propelled me forward. Yeah. And um, that feels like a gift to be able to share it in conversations. Mm-hmm. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your heart and your spirit and for inviting me on and for engaging in such a meaningful conversation. It's my total pleasure. You're so welcome. And I want to just reflect back what you've been speaking to in the words that you shared with me before we pressed record, which was around real struggles that empower us when we choose to be in that space of allowing it to, to step into that self-intimacy and that trust and to make those choices that that allow it to empowers us to create more of that life we're desiring. So thank you for being such a vulnerable, brave woman, willing to share your journey and your story. And I'm really inspired and, oh, I wonder what reclamation bar and all that you're choosing and creating will unfold into and your book whispers upon waking. I wonder again, I I recognize it's a journey of your own journey has been so growthful and I wonder what that will contribute to the world. So thank you so much for being with us today, Jessamine. And thank you listeners for tuning in. And as always invitation to carry this conversation over into our private Facebook group. And for now, may you be brave. And if there is something in your life that you have not been speaking about, may you remember the words of Mr. Rogers, whatever can be mentionable can be manageable. And perhaps your act of bravery this week could be reaching out to a trusted friend or ally and letting them know that you need help if that is true for you. So thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you on the next one. And for now, bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Or is it? If you're like me and you want to continue these conversations, come on over and join the free Brave Women, Brave Living Facebook group where we're having conversations that cultivate courage. And before you go... I have a request and a reminder. If you'd be willing to share this episode with the women in your world, subscribe and leave a five-star review that will help me reach more women with this message of brave living. I have a sense they'll thank you and I thank you too. Now for the reminder, brave living is not about being fearless. It's about noticing the fear, summoning your courage and doing the thing anyway. Yes. You're amazing. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you in the Facebook group on the next episode. And until then, be brave, be wild, and have so much fun being the magic that is you.